and you need to labor in the fullness of faith that will give the glory and honor to the Lord. And you will not even want to assume it was your own working. You will not even dare to say, I did it by my own strength. But when you're working by faith, you are giving all the glory to God. Now, are we doing that? I think that's why we have prayer meetings in our church, so that we do look to the Lord and call on Him in a sense of dependence and exercising our faith in prayer. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. What a privilege to bring you the message of the gospel today, wherever you are. And I trust the Lord will draw near. We have a few hymns today. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Our final hymn will be Hallelujah, Jesus Ransomed Me. And that really is the, the final matter. Jesus ransomed me, bought me out of the slavery pit of sin and brought me into freedom and liberty, and one day to glory. That's the boast of a Christian. It's the comfort of a Christian. In the troubles and trials of this world, the uncertainties that are around us, we have a Savior who ransomed us to set us free. We have our main message today on Peter walking on the water. There are a lot of lessons to learn from Peter getting out of that boat saying to the Lord, may I come and walk to you? Bid me come to thee. And the Lord said, yes, come. And at first, of course, he walked well, and then he began to sink. And Jesus lifted him out of sinking. How often the Lord has strengthened our wavering faith and come to our rescue. I hope that today the Lord will minister to your heart. Firstly, we have our quick Q&A from the book of Romans. And we've been looking at chapter 118 on the wrath of God. Why does Paul the Apostle emphasize the wrath of God so much? And uh, we find that it's not only in one verse, but ten times in this short epistle. Almost once in every chapter, he gets back to this whole matter of wrath. The wrath of God that is looming over the heads of wicked men. And then he preaches righteousness, that there is a way for a sinner to be made right with God. Now, in chapter 9 and verse 22, we have these words. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the verse vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. You can be absolutely sure that God's plan of redemption is for his glory and in demonstrating mercy. But think about it. There could be no mercy if there was no wrath. If God was not filled with anger against men who have broken his law and incur his wrath, in what way could God demonstrate mercy? 
He could give them justice. He could give them what they deserve if they have done right and deserve heaven. And if they work their way to heaven, he can reward that. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God redeems sinful men, those who deserve nothing but eternal judgment. And God steps in in a covenant plan of mercy through the Lord Jesus to recover them from the depths of sin and to make them righteous, that through the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus and through his imputed righteousness, that each and every one that is saved by grace, that is brought into heaven, is made right with God. And as it is often put, God forgives no sin that is not judged. And so God laid that judgment upon his own son. And on the cross, during those hours of darkness, when he was kneeled there to that tree, God poured out his wrath upon his own son. And in Jesus' bearing wrath, he purchased redemption for you and me. That means he could ransom us, set us free from our bondage, and bring us one day to glory. Praise God today for the gospel. Praise God for this grace of salvation. And now may the Lord draw near, minister to your heart, bless you richly through the program here today as we turn now to our first hymn, And Can It Be That I Should Gain An Interest in the Savior's Blood.
Peter was not going to be allowed to think that his walking on the water was going to be due to his skill or to his own ability. He might have boasted. He might have returned to the ship and he would have said to the other disciples, hey, fellas, did you see that? I could walk on the water just the way the Lord Jesus did. But these disciples now were saying, hey, Peter, we saw you sinking. We saw you floundering down into those waves and we were thought you were going to be lost. And then we saw the Lord pull you up. And that's the testimony that the Lord would have every one of us bear before the world. Faith is the means by which God can use his servants, by which God gets the glory. And that's always God's way. Now, I have two examples of this. One is uh, Abraham. The other is Mary. And we read in Romans 4.20 that Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. And that's how we can prove this. This is when it's genuine. The other example is Mary. When it was announced to her that she was going to have a child to be the mother of uh, the Savior, she said, Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. She burst into praise unto uh, the Lord. Now, would you be blessed of God? Then you need faith. You need this strong faith. You need to believe more and you need to doubt less. And you need to labor in the fullness of faith that will give the glory and honor to the Lord. And you will not even want to assume it was your own working. You will not even dare to say, I did it by my own strength. But when you're working by faith, you are giving all the glory to God. Now, are we doing that? I think that's why we have prayer meetings in our church, so that we do look to the Lord and call on Him in a sense of dependence and exercising our faith in prayer. And when God answers, we return to the prayer meeting and we say, Lord, you heard us, and we give you the praise for the answers that have come so marvelously. So faith gives all the glory to God. The other thing I see here, and if you look at verse 28, that faith steps out on the promises of the Lord. Faith steps out on the promises of the Lord. Now, you'll notice here how Peter wanted to have the word of the Lord before he stepped out on the water. He said, bid me come unto thee. This is a great and a very essential lesson for each of us. We need the Lord's word before we take a step in some new direction. And we need his permission, his command. And when the Lord said to Peter, come, that was his cue. It was time to step out of the boat. Not until then, but when the Lord said, come, then get out of the boat and dare taking those first steps 
on the water. Now, maybe there is some decision or challenge or opportunity that is before you, and you need to take your cue from Peter. Bid me that I may come unto you. That's how he put it here in verse 8. Bid me come unto thee on the water. How specific it was, on the water. He w- no man would have thought of this on their own if they hadn't already seen the Lord doing that. And so nothing can stand up if the Lord has not commanded it. And that's something that we need to have as an absolute essential in our own faith. Now, we need to examine ourselves in light of this truth that faith steps out on the promises. Can you give me an example where in real-life terms you are claiming a promise of God's Word for the tasks of your life? That there is a particular or maybe a a, a whole range of Bible verses, promises out of the book that you're basing your action upon. And if you can say, well, here is the word that I'm clinging to, then it becomes an act of faith. I think we're all danger of becoming mere letter carriers as we study this Bible. If you were working for the post office as a letter carrier, uh, you would be, uh, of course, going to the uh, postal office, and you'd be loading up all the uh, letters and packages for the various homes we are distributing, and you take those, and you sort them, you arrange them, you deliver them, and that's your day's work. You're a letter carrier. But when you stuff those bills and letters and packages through those uh, letter boxes, they don't have anything to do with you. You're just a letter carrier, and you just slot them in at their proper places and deliver them as your job demands. When we come to the Bible, we must not do that. We must not look at this, well, that was good for Abram, that was good for Paul, that was good for Peter. We must come to this Word and say, now, Lord, this is for me. There's a word here for me. And we take that to heart, and we step out on the promises of God. The next thing I see here in verse 24, that faith turns toil to joyous service. If you look at verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And I gave you that other text in Mark 6, 48, where it says they were toiling in rowing. Now, that's not very happy business. That's not very happy service, where the wind is contrary. And they were trying to get across that lake in one direction, to Bethsaida, and they were trying to get over to that part of the lake, but the wind was coming opposite to them. And It came to the point where it was worthless and absolutely useless. And so they did not have happy service. Now, there is someone perhaps here tonight, and this fully describes your life at present. It's all toil. 
and heavy labor. Your Christian life is bogged down, has lost its impetus, and you seem to be getting absolutely nowhere. And there are times when Christians get weary. There are times when the church gets weary, and we need the Lord to come and meet the urgent, pressing need of the hour. And of course, when the Lord came, and you'll read down the passage when eventually he got into the boat, well, he just calmed everything. And what victory he brought to the hearts of the people. And we as a church, and we as Christians, need to pray the Lord comes to us, uh, that he uh, leaves wherever he is. Now, the, the Lord Jesus, the night before, was up on the mountain praying alone. And it was he, after the feeding of the five thousands and the great multitudes that gathered around, he insisted that these disciples get into the boat and cross over the lake. He commanded the whole thing. But he himself went up into the mountain to pray alone. And at some point, it says, at the fourth watch of the night, the Lord Jesus came across the lake and came within uh, distance of the, the vessel. And, of course, at first the disciples were filled. They thought they had seen some spirit or phantom, and uh, they were all filled with fear. And the Lord had to introduce himself, be not afraid, it is I. And so their fears and their distress was turned into marvelous joy. If you read the last verse of the account, verse 33, then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And I pray that God gives to every one of us this victory through faith, that we will enjoy happy fellowship with the Lord. You'll notice what it did to them and they came and worshipped him. Uh, they just recognized the great power and authority that was in him, and said, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And we need the Lord to visit us in our church, in our own personal lives, and to deliver us from every sense of fear. And in, that really is my fifth point, which I will not preach now because I've already covered it, but faith delivers us from a spirit of fear. So number six, faith inspires us to attempt greater things for God. Now, Peter stepped out to do the impossible. And before he saw the Lord walking in the water, he had no intention of doing this. He had no thought of ever trying to walk on the water. But when he saw the Lord do it, and he stood in the ship and watched the Lord uh, walking uh, along the water— he said, Lord, bid me to come. And faith uh, inspired him to do something that was greater for God. Now, the, the Bible says, if ye have faith, if ye have faith. And we need that spirit of faith in our hearts. And until your faith is increased, you will remain earthbound and paralyzed, and you lose the sense of the power and the victory of the Lord in your own heart. Number seven, faith makes Christians bold in prayer. 
uh, this very request of Peter, Lord, bid me to come unto you. What boldness was in this? Uh, you might even say that it was presumptuous or it was going beyond uh, what a, any person should ask of the Lord to walk on water. But again, Peter is a great example as he besought the Lord to enable him to walk on the water. Too bad he didn't pray as he walked on the water. Too bad he didn't keep his eyes on the Lord and enjoy the power that the Lord had given to him, and he would have done so well. I think that too many start out well, and then they get their eyes of the Lord to other things. And we lose that personal dependence, we lose that victory, and we lose the ability to walk by faith and to be overcomers in this world. Now, in John 14, I want to share this text with you. In John 14, we have that anything promise. This is a tremendous statement here in John 14 and in verse 14. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. What a tremendous promise this is. But you'll notice that it's the Lord that will do it. I will do it. He may do it through us. He may do it with our agency, but he will do it. And here is the tremendous boldness that we can have in prayer through faith. Now, I wonder about your own prayer life tonight. I wonder how many times that you get alone with God and take the Bible, get on your knees, and plead these promises, and say, Now, Lord, I'm going to come with boldness. I'm going to ask for things that are beyond me. But, Lord, I'm trusting you to do it, to know that the Lord is on the throne, that he's on God's right hand, and to know that there's power in his name in heaven. That's faith. That's faith. And that is boldness in prayer. And Jesus says, according to your faith, be it unto you. Mr. Spurgeon said this, he lives best when faith is at its best, even though in other respects he may be sorely put to it. He lives the life of Christ most blessedly when he most intensely believes in Christ. Oh, that's the gospel. And that's certainly true, as you and I know by experience. We sing that hymn, O for a faith that will endure, though pressed by every foe, that will not tremble on the brink of any earthly woe, that will not murmur nor complain beneath the chastening rod, but in the hour of grief or pain will lean upon its God. And so I trust tonight this uh, brief look at the Lord walking on the water, inviting Peter to come to him, and all of these lessons, the Lord will stir us up 
to greater faith, and that we will confess our weak faith and pray that God will embolden us and give us great grace to serve Him and walk with Him every day. is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30pm. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30am from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.com. 
cloverdalefpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdalefpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.